Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Growth League. I am Diana Kander, a Midwestern mom of two and keynote speaker. And like you, I feel the call to grow. To get us inspired for the week, every Monday, I seek out the most remarkable and curious women leaders and uncover their rule for growth. This week's rule from Michelle Pramaleko is build your brand. This episode is brought to you by the amazing Influence & Co. To find out how Influence & Co. can help you create relevant content, get more leads, improve your website's SEO, and drive exposure for your brand, go to influenceandco.com slash growth. My guest today is Michelle Pramaleko. Michelle is the editorial director at large for The Well and co-host of the new podcast, Messy Situations. Previously, she worked at some of the largest media brands in the world. She was the editorial director at Women's Health, the editor-in-chief at Yahoo Health, and the editor-in-chief at Cosmopolitan. And a fun fact about Michelle is that instead of a psychotherapist, she sees an energy therapist. So Michelle, an energy therapist, tell us more about that. It's true. It's true. Although she probably wouldn't say she's an energy therapist. That's my term for her. She's an energy reader. And as woo-woo as that sounds, energy is actually science, right? It's quantum physics. And so there is a vibrational quality. So what she does is she reads energy. So just through my voice, she can read kind of where I am. And she can tell how different subjects interact with my energy, change my energy, like what brings the vibration up, what brings it down. I'm enjoying it. And it's novel. And I love novel things. And I like trying new things. So that's my new thing I'm trying. Well, it's been about six months. I'm curious how, you know, this show is a blend of the personal and professional. Like, give me an example of how the energy therapist could help you through a professional issue that you're dealing with. It's really interesting because she actually tapped into something that maybe on some subliminal level I knew, but I wasn't really acknowledging. And that is that for many, many years, I functioned as, you know, just a high functioning, driven professional, always busy, like nose to the grindstone. And then I went through a period of years that I think I needed where it was a little slower. They happened to coincide with COVID, too. I started working on some of my own things, which I think was necessary. But I definitely wasn't operating at the same level, which I thought this is good. I've earned this break. And I did. All of that's true. But what she tapped into, she said, what's going on with work? Because your energy really thrives on like having a lot going on, being in a leadership position, doing all these things. And I had sort of come to the realization that I actually wasn't that happy just kind of letting things go and flow. And like, I wanted to be back in it. And I hadn't really acknowledged that. And she kind of just went right for it. And the second she said it, I was like, you're right. What a great way to set the stage. Let's talk about that magazine career. And let's start at the very beginning. You started in a very traditional print media position and you ascended the ranks pretty quickly. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it was a, a very traditional path in terms of how I got into it. I went to school for journalism. I went to Rutgers in New Jersey, my home state. Got to do plenty of internships at now some defunct magazines, but some great ones, Harper's Bazaar being one of them. And then got my first job as an editorial assistant and then worked my way up to associate and then senior editor. Went to a magazine called Teen People, was one of the founding editors of Teen People. And then, yes, I made a big leap when I went from Teen People to Cosmo, when I became first a deputy deputy editor for just a few months, and then very quickly after that became the executive editor, which is the number two position. And I was about 29 at the time. And being the number two at one of the most iconic and largest magazine brands in the world was a huge job. And I have to credit my, who the editor-in-chief was at the time, Kate White, who is a dear friend of mine, a mentor. She didn't care about my age. She saw something in me. She saw the energy. She saw the, the drive and the ambition. And I always call being Kate's executive editor at Cosmo, editor-in-chief boot camp, because it really was. I got to manage staff. I got to work on those iconic covers and have all the fun creating those cover lines that everybody knows. And then eventually took the leap to become an editor-in-chief when I went to Women's Health in 2009. And you become editor-in-chief at Women's Health at a time when (laughs) there's a huge transformation in print and digital media. How did that affect? Like you took a job where most people taking that job would stay there for like 20 or 30 years. Absolutely. Well, there was two things going on. There was the, the migration from print to digital and There was also 2009, the world collapsing. I take the biggest leap of my life when the whole world is challenged economically, which would, in hindsight, was like maybe not the greatest timing, but it it actually (laughs) ended up being great. But yes, I saw the writing on the wall in terms of digital consumption of content. And I was becoming an almost exclusively digital consumer myself. And I just started thinking, you know what, I'm going to get left behind if I don't really figure out the day-to-day operations of digital creation. And Yahoo came calling. That was a big inflection point in my career because I made a move that I don't think, to your point, Diana, a lot of people would have made in my position. I left my corner office to go into the unknown of a Silicon Valley-based company without a lot of the infrastructure of a media company. So it was very uncomfortable for a little while. I don't want to just brush over this corner office thing because I think a lot of people listening who work from home, you know, don't understand, but you spent the first 20 years of your career like dreaming about, thinking about, and then owning that corner office. Like it's a big deal when you're in those positions where they hold that on such a pedestal. You're so right. And at the time, it was part of the perk and the benefit of having worked so hard to get to that position. It's a stressful job to be the editor in chief. It means something to have that corner office. And so it wasn't a nothing decision to do that. It was a really tough decision, but I just had to follow my gut. If I, as a magazine editor, was reading mostly digital content, what were the chances that people outside of the industry were mostly reading digital content, right? So the writing was on the wall, and I just was like, I'm not going to be that Luddite. 
Some of you who have my cell phone number have texted me and asked if I really love Athletic Greens as much as I say that I do. And I would invite you to keep texting me or you can message me on social media and I will share with you just how much I love this product. So what's in this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com growth. Again, that's athleticgreens.com growth to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. As a small business owner, you are wearing a lot of different hats and you don't have time to interview candidates who just are not qualified for your role. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy for you to find the people that you want to interview faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Then you add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so that your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash TGL. That's linkedin.com slash TGL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, if you were talking to your like 20 year old self just graduating from college and being like, you know, I'm going to be editor in chief and then I'm going to hold that job for the next 30 years. What would be the advice that you'd give not only to your younger self, but, you know, everybody who's just starting out in their career, something that maybe you didn't foresee when you were that age? Yeah, I think when I started my career, you didn't build your own brand at all. Or you didn't bring it, you didn't build it in parallel to the day job that you had. You went to work for a day job. You committed all of your time to it, more time than maybe it deserved sometimes. And you did that for as long as you were welcome. And that was it. And I sort of was promised that that carrot was was dangled that, you know, you'll be fine if you make it to this echelon and you work really hard and you have a good track record and, and all the things. And the world changed. The magazine industry definitely changed and started atrophying and going in the, you know, the wrong direction. And so I started also seeing, whoa, this job might not be here forever. It's de you definitely don't want to be the last person out of a burning building. It was a career that I loved, but that wasn't anymore the kind of career that I loved because it was changing so much. And I started to realize I need a bit of a backup plan here. And so when I left Cosmo, I wrote a book that was mine alone, not, you know, not a magazine brand affiliate. It was called Sugar Free 3. It was a wellness book, and it was about eliminating added sugar from your diet and all the amazing things that it can do for you. 
And I also did a video companion to that book on a platform called OpenFit. And that was my own thing. So tell me what you would say to like a a young person about building their brand and kind of like the steps that you would give them to make sure they're investing in this in addition to putting their blood, sweat and tears into the company that they're working in for. Yeah. And I think I think that it can be done on a parallel track if you have a lot of transparency and authenticity behind it. Because one thing that I don't love is when people think they can use the company they're working for to build their brand. I don't really think that's ethical. I think if there's transparency and there's an understanding with you and the people you're working for that there's a symbiosis to that, I think that's beautiful. That's the that's the ideal situation. I kind of feel like I have that with The Well, where I do editorial direction, because they know I came to this position with a, with a lot of interests and a lot of opportunities, and they see that as symbiotic with what I'm building for them, and it is, and it's synergistic. And so I think that's the best of both worlds, and it, it takes a lot of discipline and time. It often means doing things at night or on the weekends, but I do think it's important to be thinking on parallel tracks because the truth is we don't have the same degree of corporate loyalty. I'm not dissing corporate America, but it, it is no longer the 30 or 40 year career that it used to be for most people. And so it's only smart and a move of self-preservation to think about what value you have, what you bring to Now there's so many platforms, podcasting, Substack. There's so many technological advances, let alone social media, that enable and empower people to get their special skill out in the world and monetize it. You know, I, I am a social media introvert. It's hard for me to post stuff online, but I have to keep reminding myself that you can't be a thought leader without thoughts. <laughs> right. If you want to establish a brand, you have to put something out into the world and not expect them to just assume things about you. So do you have any advice? I mean, I don't think people need to necessarily even make money off their brand, but they can just create content around things that they're curious about or things in their industry that they want to take the lead on. I don't know. What what have you seen that's a good jumping off point? Definitely. I think that it's generally accepted that it's a smart idea to have a social media component to your personal brand, to your professional brand, if they're different. It is not something that comes naturally to everybody. It's not something everybody's comfortable with. And of course, you can opt out. I'm not saying success is predicated on having a big social media following, but it it definitely is the way a lot of people discover things. And so and my My profession and my personal have always sort of melded together, and that's definitely true since I've been a wellness editor because what I do in my personal life bleeds into what I do, you know, cover in my professional life. And so there is a relationship to those two things. I think for some people, it might not be as organic as that. So first of all, you don't have to do it, or you can try to do it, and you may just like it more than you think. You will. And there's so many tools now and there are so many different platforms. And it's a lot easier, I think, you know, the more you do it. It's like anything. Just as you have to have your own voice or brand perspective or POV or lens on anything you do, you can bring that to your social environment as well. It has to be you or else what's the point? Awesome. Okay, time for the speed round. Ready? Okay. 
What is a commonly held public belief that you know to be false? That age is a determining factor of anything. Okay. Uh, Or that it's too late to do X. I don't think it's too late ever to do anything except if maybe you've expired from the earth. (laughs) I, I just don't, you know, and I see examples of this every day, all the time, both in people I know who are starting businesses in their 70s or, you know, we have a vice president who's, I think, in her late 50s, has the biggest, you know, job of her life. I just don't believe that age should be a determining factor. And I think that people really limit themselves. And I I have to counsel myself about this, too, as I get older. But I have the energy of, you know, a much younger person than my chronological years. And so if I were to let my chronological age determine what I could or couldn't do, I I mean, I I wouldn't do half the things I do. Athletically, career-wise, Dating-wise, I really wouldn't do half the things I do if I really acted my age. Yeah, I love it. I know you've written a number of health books, but if you were to write a professional development book on any subject, what would it be? Oh, God, that's such a tough question. I think one of the things, just speaking very candidly, that has driven me is that I didn't grow up with any money. I grew up the product of a single mom who was a teacher, and we 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 were fine. But, you know, there wasn't a lot of excess there and there was a lot of fear around money. And I have let fear drive decisions. And fear generally is a very paralyzing emotion and definitely clouds your thinking. And if you can somehow, and meditation helps with this, push that aside to really see what it is that makes your heart sing, that you want to do, as corny as that sounds, that's probably the healthiest place to come from. What's I mean, looking back now, you've accomplished so much, but like what's one decision that you made that you were like, oh, that was definitely probably fear motivated? I mean, probably any of them that were (laughs) going to get me a bigger paycheck, you know, like it's like maybe I would have taken more risks. Maybe I would have done something that was totally my own if I wasn't worried that I didn't have that safety net. I think it's not always the decisions you make. It's sometimes the decisions you don't make because of fear, right? Like there were probably times that I could have like jumped off the corporate track and started my own thing. And we'll never know where I would be now if I had done that because I didn't make that decision. That was like a fork in the road. And the safe, the safe I thought decision was to stick on the corporate path and the more like well-lit path. Wow. That's a powerful insight. Okay. Besides the stuff we've covered, what is something that you strongly believed in your 20s that you feel completely indifferent about or even opposite about now? The one thing I would say, which is like, I can't even believe these words are coming out of my mouth. It goes back to the first thing we talked about today, which was the energy work. I was very black and white about certain things. And what I'm talking about specifically is I was an atheist. I was very black and white about things that I didn't understand or that seemed too grandiose or too good to be true. And as I've gotten older and had more experiences, I would say the atheism has like moved over to agnostic, right? Which is not a big leap, but it is a significant leap because what it is, is it's questioning. It's back to that curiosity. I don't know what I don't know. And I also have experienced some things in the last few years as I've taken a deeper dive inside 
that I didn't experience before that has brought awareness to me of like, maybe I'm maybe we don't know everything that's going on out there in the world or if consciousness lives beyond the physical body. There's a lot of big questions. I know that sounds very woo woo. I love it. I love woo woo. (laughs) And I'm and like most people know me know I'm a very pragmatic person. Sure. A very like science driven person. But the thing is, there is like some science around some of these things that I'm saying. And I think that helps a person like me crack open a bit more is to know this is a leap of faith in some ways to think about these big metaphysical things. But it's also like a lot of people are having these questions, especially, especially at this moment in time where we've gone through so much as as a world, as a collective, and we're trying to make sense of it. I think the really deep, hard questions and the deep explorations are happening now more than ever. And I think that's that's one positive to come out of this whole nasty situation. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a perfect way to end it. Michelle, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Diane. It was so fun. Here to dive deeper into this week's rule to build your brand is our producer, Adesua Agbanile. Adesua, welcome. Back again. <laughs> Let's talk about building your brand. I know you are just itching to talk about this topic. <laughs> I'm really not because I told you <laughs> right before we started recording that I know very little about building my own personal brand in the sense that I like you, I'm sort of a social media introvert. I don't love posting online, especially stuff that feels like it's very self-serving or like self-aggrandizing. I would love to hear what advice would you have for someone like me who has never really taken seriously this idea of like building your brand on social media? Where would you start? How did you start? I feel very much everything that you're saying about all the reasons to talk yourself out of it. I think it's very difficult. And I think people who are the closest to being perfectionists and who want things to be really good probably talk themselves out of it more than they don't. But like I said in the episode, you can't be a thought leader without thoughts. And it's such an excellent excuse to connect to your existing network and just be a reason for people to reach out and reconnect with you that I very much understand the benefit of it. And so I try to find ways to trick myself into doing it as often as possible. Okay, but what are some of those ways? <laughs> how do I how do I do it? Well, number one, I pick topics that I am very curious about. And so I like to learn along with people. So I post about r- really interesting studies or stories that that speak to me. And a lot of times people, they resonate with people and oftentimes they don't and I can move on because I have another idea. To me, it's like letting people go on your journey with you. But like (laughs) the best conversation I've had in the last couple of weeks was when I posted about getting my first mammogram and it just sparked so many people to reach out and be like, yeah. First of all. I'd love to hear more about (laughs) all your qualms about the mammogram process. It's happening live right now on air. (laughs) But I also I think what I really like about that is this idea of honesty. I think something that often stops me from posting on my social media is this idea that I need to lie a little bit to like make myself seem cooler or like more interesting than I actually am. But I really like the fact that what you just said is just like 
your platform can just be a place for you to display pieces of your authentic self, which is so easy because like I do think every single day I do have thoughts. <laughs> I bet you do. I bet you learn interesting things. Some of which you have to share with other people, you know? Right. Great. Thank you again to Influence & Co. for sponsoring this show. If you're looking for resources to build a results-driven content marketing strategy, I highly recommend checking out Influence & Co.'s content marketing course. With promo code GROWTH, our listeners can get the course for 50% off. Visit influenceandco.com growth to learn more. That's it for this week's episode of The Growth League. Please make sure that you're subscribed to get all future episodes and leave us a review of how you're liking the show. I'm Diana Kander, wishing you an amazing growth-filled week. The Growth League is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Edie Allard, Adesua Agbanile, and Taylor Williamson. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan, and our editor is Emily Rudder. <laughs>